Welcome into Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club, episode 22. Co-host Tanner Standell here with Connor Hendrickson. Uh, we have a great show in store for you today. Um, a lot of things going on um, and just excited for uh, really the float that's going to be this weekend. Connor, how are you feeling about the float and getting ready to go back down to your second home there in Kelso and ERSC? I am fired up to get into the Elk River to uh, just, I don't know, dive in, head first, get submerged by the beautiful water coming out of Tim's Ford Lake. We're going to have a great day playing 18 holes at Bear Trace at Tim's Ford before heading to the Elk River Sporting Club for a river float, a little golf shootout, and some dinner before heading over to the Siege at Sweetens the next day. It's going to be a great weekend for all guys getting involved and uh, very excited. Um, we also have 2022 member signups going on right now. So if you did not receive the email last week, please reach out to me. We'll get you involved, get you dialed in. Um, we're going to be trying to order those gifts as quickly as we can. So please make sure that you're getting involved and getting all that stuff filled out. All merch from the 2022 season has now been sent out unless you're coming to the float this weekend. Um, and I'll have all that stuff for you. So if you have not received it in the next few days, please reach out to me and let me know. And we'll try to figure that out. Uh, and then also reach out to me if you are interested in extra putter covers. We had we ran out of blades from the classic. We didn't have any spares, and I know that some guys were interested in some extras. So if you are interested in an extra blade putter cover, we have some extra mallets. So just reach out to me if you want one of those. But if you want extra blade, we can order you know a small batch of those. Just let me know, and we can get that dialed in. Um, also, please um, hold for the visors and the extra classic hats. We've had a ton of issues with Imperial. And so we are just waiting for those issues to kind of sort themselves out before we move forward with those orders. Um, they're still in the plans. We still want to do them. We just have to make sure that Imperial isn't going to screw us. Um, moving forward to the extinction at Park Mammoth on September 17th. It's going to be a field of 48. It's going to be a fantastic net stable for an event, leading to a derby at the end of it. Um, $230 to sign up for that event. That's going to get you food and drinks throughout the day. Going to get you some great gifts, all the golf you can play that day um, as part of the event. And it's just going to be a fantastic time with a, a strong donation to the High Cotton Relief Fund, probably our largest single day donation outside of the Calcutta. And so appreciate um, you know all the guys who are signed up and getting involved and can't wait to fill that field up to 48. Absolutely. Then we, we talked a little bit about uh, the classic the fourth edition of the Classic today gave you some uh, accounts on a couple of the matches, talked about where some of the groups are currently standing, and really just a lot of, um, I mean, I feel like each Classic just continues to get better. And so make sure you tune in just to hear about uh, what we have going on uh, in the fourth edition of the Classic. And then we got into some Q&A and, of course, our life advice. So we hope you enjoy the show today. Uh, and thank you for letting us keep you dialed. Run that intro. Rich, some guys like it quiet, some guys like it loud. This is. Yeah, you know, Gator needs to look like he needs some exercise. I don't know. Of course, the conditions now that he has to play the shot test anyone. Here he would. Here he would. 
They've come a long way together, Jim. Those two. It's a great story. And welcome in to episode 22 of Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club. Connor Hendrickson here. And joining in is Tanner Sandell. Uh, another beautiful day here in Middle Tennessee. We are so thankful for this better fall weather. Break from the summer heat, and we are getting into just prime time golf season. Feels like football outside. Tobacco's still smoking every time I head out the road, and uh, it's just a great, great time to be here in Middle Tennessee. Easily the best time of year. Um, anytime it feels like that I've played recently, it's felt phenomenal outside, and I just want to keep those vibes going. Well, we have a lot going on, as always, with the High Cotton Club. Our first roundup of the 2023 season is this coming Friday, so that's why we're recording a little early this week here on Tuesday. But the float on Friday down at Tim's Ford and then headed over to the Elk River Ranch, um, the home of High Cotton, it's going to be a great day and very excited to get. It's a small group down there, but it's going to be a great group nonetheless and excited to have everybody together. Uh, we have pairings and tee times dialed in so we want to run through that kind of preview the event um, we're going to be starting things off at 8 40 on friday morning with some announcements everybody should be getting there around 8 15 8 30 to check in and uh, we'll have a little bit of breakfast for them before we tee off at nine o'clock with a four ball we had a randomized four ball um, and it's a little bit of a modified four ball both players are going to hit their drive pick the best drive and then play their own ball in from there kind of like a shamble um, so, Wes Stamey playing as a 9, and Pierce Beringer, a new member, playing as an 11. Um, we have both of them teeing off at 9 o'clock with Stephen, 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 I don't know how to say your name. I apologize. I don't even know how to say your last name either, Ice Noble. But I know your refuge name is Iceman, so I can say that. So, Iceman, appreciate you coming all the way from Texas to be part of our High Count Club event. He's going to be staying with me at the cabin on Thursday night before the float on Friday and again on Friday before we all head to Sweden's on Saturday. So he's going to get the full high cotton experience and excited for him to, to dive in feet first. Wow. Thanks for hashtag getting involved there. Um, and I think I've seen Iceman on the refuge a couple of times. And he's going to be playing with Jay Mims, All Red, just one of the best guys in the high cotton club, awesome. kind of a, a modern day renaissance, renaissance man, as Dustin Ball said. Um, so a three and a 17 and Jay Mims, after his performances at the Yellowhammer and the uh, Showdown, that handicap travels, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, uh, that's you know, anytime you're in a place where your handicap travels and not just in one area, I think that kind of speaks to your game. So, um, wow, that's a good pairing. The 9-10, uh, Brian Vanderveer and Matt Britton, a plus one and a 23, so our lowest handicap and our highest handicap playing together. Um, with, the, with the format, I think it should really help Matt to be able to just, I haven't played with him before, but from what I understand is he can just have a hard time getting off the tee. So if he gets off the tee with Brian, they might be absolutely dangerous. Yeah. Getting 23 shots. Woo. All right. That is a, that's a lot of strokes. It's a lot of strokes. Wow. All right. Um, and then rounding out the group, myself, and Josh Tyler, the vet from Springfield, got involved with the last edition of the High Cotton Classic, getting involved with the High Cotton Club again this season. So I'm the highest my handicap's been in a long time at a six, and then he's at a 15. So, you know, I like that golf course a lot. I haven't been playing well. I thought I broke my arm a couple days ago, 
um, in a little bit of an accident. So we're just going to see, you know, we're just going to go try to have fun. And uh, at, at the end of the day, we're all going to have a really big time on the river. Going to have a couple more guys coming back to the river uh, to do the float. Clay Doty's going to come down. He's going to join us for the float. Um, I think uh, Walt Draper's going to get down there that night in time for dinner and, and to hang out before we all head over to Sweetens. So it's going to be a big, big time. And um, after the float, you know, we did the floating green at the barn burner at Kenny Perry's. Well, mm -hmm. I still have that floating green. Ah. Took it down to Kelso a few weeks ago. So we're going to throw that thing out in the river. Uh, I have a cliff that we're going to hit off of. I actually, I need to check on my floating fish bait golf balls. Not my floating fish bait golf balls, but my fish bait golf balls. Because I want to hit down from off the cliff, down into that floating green. And uh, if we can pull that off, that should be just heck of a time so we're going to take two qualifier spots for the showdown from the event itself at Tim's Ford and then we're going to take one from that little showdown shootout from the cliff okay well I tell you what for those of you I, I, I think I may be one of maybe the only guys in the club that has been to uh, ERCC uh, or SC sorry yeah. sporting club the Elk River Sporting Club baby Elk River Sporting Club uh, but I, I know that everyone that's going there will truly be in for a treat. Um, Connor is one for hospitality, and uh, he hosted a couple of us um, on a Sweden's trip a couple of years ago. I can't believe that was over two years ago. Um, but a heck of a time there. You guys are in for a treat, and I'm interested in hearing some of the feedback from that. I think it's going to be really awesome. And then you guys... Um, I think that it's, I really think that it's it's cool that you have the float event, the float in the afternoon or the evening, and then a good group of you guys then going back over to Sweetens together as well. I think that's just going to be a, a bro weekend, uh, a weekend full of camaraderie, and I think that um, many, many good memories are going to be had from that. We were in a discussion last night and someone brought up again what we've talked about a lot, which is community. And I think after this weekend, uh, everyone that's going is going to be rejuvenated from this community, it feels like. Sure hope so. That's definitely the hope. And uh, like you said, going over to the Siege of Sweetens the next day and having, I think there's going to be 10 roost represented uh, at Sweetens that day. And whoever is not in the no laying up roost who got passes that day is going to be like, what in the world is going on out here? <laughs> um, so yeah, it should be really exciting. And I know that Clay's talked about I guess on the refuge, there's been a lot of chat about Illuminati routings and all this and all that. And um, I know from my experience, we've talked in our group chat about kind of trying to maybe do things a little bit different than like everybody else is going to do it. Because I legitimately don't know how much exposure these guys have had to Sweetens, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I know enough, I feel like, from my couple years ago there that I can give a little bit of insight into how we might be able to make it a little bit better day than they might be planning on making it. Yeah. You know, if we have 30 guys trying to play the Illuminati routing at once, we could have played 18 holes by the time that gets done. So um, we're talking about, you know, if they're going to go play what they think is the Illuminati routing, they might not even have the real Illuminati routing. Right. There's so much chatter and, and stuff about Sweetens. There's, I was sitting in the shed talking with some folks. There's 90-plus holes out at Sweetens. There's not just the nine and the Illuminati routing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of holes and a lot of shots to go hit out there. So we can uh, find our way around the golf course and, and find some spots that can make a, a heck of a day for us. And I'm especially excited to head up to Top of the Rock for lunch. Yeah, now that, that will be pretty awesome. Um, 
you know, you did express an interest of, for once, being able to just enjoy and not have to uh, run anything. But it will be interesting to see if anybody chooses to lean uh, on your knowledge of the place uh, and to see how that goes. But uh, kind of like what I wrapped up the podcast with last week, just continuing that on, I encourage you guys just to uh, whatever you do when you go to mutually agree upon it and just look to having a good time. I think that's kind of the utmost importance for uh, the day, the siege, if you will, at Sweden's. Yeah, you know, we were talking about the last round of the day, doing a, a little low-cap, high-cap battle royale between the high-cap club and making that especially a jackpot. I think we'll have jackpots throughout the day, but it's going to be really fun to see. I haven't played a jackpot yet, so mm. it's going to be exciting to get some points, hopefully, and uh, at least – get out there with all the guys we have a great group going and um yeah like you said i am looking forward to kind of just being one of the guys but i i and i've said like i don't want to be a detractor in any way but i'm here to serve however y'all want so if you want to come to me and ask me a question i'm there but otherwise i'm just like big big chilling big chilling yeah i'm in the background i don't want any of the other refuges to be like i don't want yeah, I just I have that in my head. I'm prepared for any kind of shit talk that comes my way. I'm prepared to handle it. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how the refuge translates from. And like Sergio said last night in our group chat, like the refuge isn't the real world, and that's totally true. But there's some guys who they think it is. They think it is, yeah. and so it's going to be interesting to see how that translates to the real world, and if yeah. there is any like shots fired, and if there is, hey. Just be ready for him to be fired back, my guy. Yeah, I mean, in my in my mind and opinion, not to beat a dead horse, um, but in, in my opinion, uh, if first of all, it actually does say a little bit more about you if you continue the bit in person because it actually shows that you have a set on you uh, instead of just staying, you know, keyboard warrior. Um, but then on the other end, you know, just let it go. I mean, I, it, you know, it's. It's like it's, it's played out. Stuff is stuff has started to surface again, and then everybody's like, "Oh, here we go again." And it's just like, I know people have got to be getting tired of it at this point. I like if you have nothing to do with it, like, and I didn't mean to to get to this point. The only thing that I'm trying to say is, is I hope I don't even know if any of the problem people will be, and and not the two main. But anybody that's been a problem or continued this on will even be there at Sweetens. But surely they're not that ignorant to carry it on um, at an event where everybody's just there to, to enjoy themselves. So yeah. I, I'd like to hope so, but I also have a greater faith in humanity as a whole. So um, I could probably also be proven wrong. Yeah, like you said, we sure hope so. Only time will tell. But the High Cotton Club is going to be going down, down there with positivity and great vibes and a whole lot of whiskey for the shed. So uh, we're doing everything the right way and excited to get down to a place where, you know, I wouldn't say it's a home away from home, but I I do feel comfortable there, so excited to get back there. All right, so moving on to the fourth edition of the High Con Classic, a lot's been going on. Um, We recapped a couple matches last week. Since then, you've played your match uh, out at the Hermitage. The Hermitage loved what you guys are doing. Kaylin out there with the camera reposted it. Uh, appreciate uh, Sam Irv, our dome hat rep, actually runs their social media. Oh, so he, sick. So he saw our post and was like, hey, can you send me these and I'll, <laughs> I'll post them from the Hermitage. Yeah, that's dope. And so yeah, um, that worked out for us. And so thank you, Sam, for giving us a little bit of love. Um, so all three and a half points there. 
heck of a match. It was uh, it was a heck of a day. Um, I was exhausted, but also felt like I could have probably played 36 more holes when we left. Um, a lot of fun. And I see you looking at the sheet. We didn't update it. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. We were, I knew what y'all did. Yeah, we were uh, we were we were kind of in the moment, and um, there was never really a break in the match. Um, and so, you know, just fortunate to be on this side of it. And uh, I, I actually, I thought that we were the only one in our group that had three and a half. But I realized that Joey and Marshall also got three and a half. So that makes this next match that we play very crucial. Um, yeah, Joey Nakarado, Marshall Peterson knocked off Brian Turley and Tucker Bagnardi. They got the three and two victory out okay. at Temple Hill. So we had technically a three and one. Uh, it was on 17. We had them dormy twice. Um, you know, we put. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if you want to dive into it or not. Um, I don't know. Do you want to dive into the match? A little we, bit. Yeah. We don't have to go very deep into it, but. Um, just kind of going based on what I kind of sent you mid-round. Um, we came out early. Um, I, I, I would have thought after the initial tee balls that it was going to be a long day. We had one guy in the center, uh, which was, of course, Burris. Um, Ricky loses his ball out left. Uh, Appleton loses his right. Mine is actually a little right, but it landed soft. We found it, and I had a, I had a birdie putt going into one. Um, but after the tee shots, I thought it was going to be a long day. Um, bounced back and responded on two. We were one down. Um, but after being one down on one, that was the only time that Ricky and I played from behind the rest of the day. Um, came back with a birdie on two to put it to all square. And then with um, the honor on the tee box, I hit a on number three, the par three, I hit a I hit a ball to about ten feet right over the flag to kind of keep the pressure on them. And um, you know, really and truly, I mentioned this before the match with going into the match with Burris and Appleton. I knew that I was going to have to be in a position to where we kept pressure on Burris and made him play um, to his full potential the entire day. Um, he answered the bell a lot. Uh, I could think of at one point we were two up on the front. Um, we were two up through six. Um, Burris bounces back with a birdie on seven and eight to put them right back in it where I made uh, bogey and par on those holes. Um, and then we had a good no blood on nine. Um, I, had a, I had a two putt on nine that kind of kept us in it. So we turned at all square. Uh, and then Ricky decided he was ready to play golf. Uh, we've talked about this a lot, so I'm not throwing him under the bus by any means, but Ricky was a little absent on the front. Uh, fired a little 10 over spot on the front nine, so that was, that was tough to deal with. But uh, Ricky decided he was ready to play after breaking a nine iron on nine. So you did text me and said you want to hear the story. Yep. I'll give it to you in short. Uh, so we've got uh, on nine, um, we've got Appleton hitting his approach just off the fairway on the right. Um, can't really remember where it went. I think he, I think he may have missed it. And it was in those uh, that tall grass that was kind of where the fairway goes down, and then the green kind of goes back up. So he was in the tall grass down there. Um, I, I went next, uh, hitting my approach. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Before I hit my approach, I hear whoosh, from the left side of the left side down. There's like two. Um, out ripples just off the fairway over on the left. 
Um, so I hear like this noise and all of us kind of look, it sounds like a cart backfired. So all of us kind of look over there and I can hear Ricky talking to himself. And so you're like, whatever. So I, I was like, okay, I can't focus on that. Got to go back to the process. So get my yardage, pull my club. I'm just thinking Burris is in a great place. We're all square at the moment. Keep the pressure on Burris. Make him hit it tight and make a putt. So I was just trying to put a ball in the middle of the green. That's what I did. I threw a ball in the middle of the green. I was actually on the top shelf, um, but still around the middle. Gave myself at least a chance for a lag. Burris hits it to 10 feet below the hole. I mean, he did that consistently. Um, so we get up to the green, and I finally see Ricky, and Ricky's like, yeah, I just broke my nine iron. And I was like, yo, we have an entire back nine to play. <laughs> what are you doing? He's like, I didn't know it was going to break. And I was like, what do you mean you didn't know it was going to break? What, what was the dead giveaway, the, the multiple bangs on your bag? That's what it was. was he oh was hitting his bag so hard that he bent the shaft and his nine iron. I know he was frustrated because that was the culmination of the, the first, the previous eight holes. Um, and so it was just, I, I could see that he was frustrated. Basically looked at him after that. I looked him dead in his eyes and I said, it's time to puke and rally. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. So we went up there. I hit a little lag down there. Burris concedes my par putt because it was about a foot. Uh, and then he, he didn't make his birdie putt, so he conceded it. So we turned and went to the back. Ricky birdies the first two holes on the back. Puts us right back into it. So now we reclaim our two-up lead. A couple of no-bloods there um, on 11 and 12 and 13, actually. Um, and then we go into no blood on 14 actually. So with several no bloods in a row. Um, and then, so we get to 15 again. Now we know we're in a place we're two up time's running out for them. Keep the pressure on burst. That's all we kept saying to each other was keep the pressure on burst. So Appleton kind of loses his ball out to the right. Um, me, Ricky Burris hit it in the exact same spot on that green of the part three. All of us have about a, 30 foot putt. Um, so Burris goes first, his his breaks hard. Um, so now he's got like three or four feet for his would be par. Ricky having almost the exact same line and seeing Burris's, he gets aggressive because he knows that I have a lag of my own and runs the thing in the hole from wow. 30 to 35 feet. And then he just looks at me and winks. Like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm over there, I hadn't even putted yet and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, we're, we are dorming now. Like, we have yeah. them dorming now. And so we go to 16. Um, that wink is hard. Oh my gosh, it was incredible. So we go to 16, and we know best tee balls of the day right now. Um, and both of us absolutely stripe our drives. I think Appleton loses his. Burris is right there around where Ricky and I are. So... Uh, we hit our shots again. We just want to be middle of the green to, to force him to hit a good shot. What does Burris do? He responds with a 10-footer, right? Um, so we, we lag him up there. Just a dog. I mean, all day. Like, all day. It was, it was great to watch. And I'll tell you, Burris would probably say he didn't have his best, um, but he was responding when he needed to respond. Um, so he concedes both of our par putts because we're up there probably two feet. Um, and then makes the 10-footer the coming back down the hill to extend the match. I mean, you know, was, the, the thing is, I was watching him on the practice screen, I was watching him putt, and he was making them from 15 feet, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, 
you, we could not consider him out of the hole the entire day. And what Appleton said in the group was true. He was burning edges or leaving them just short the entire day. Um, it was a true rub of the green situation, to be honest. After a rain delay, he had a couple that stopped one more rotation from going in. Water kept it. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. Water keeping it so it was tough. So we go into 17. Burris just won 16. He has the honor. Cuts the corner. He's got 20 yards from the green. We're like, all right, Burris is ready to go. I think Appleton loses his kind of over on the left. Um, Ricky, hey, we got to respond. Ricky strikes his drive. I hit mine right – I mean, I'm talking about probably a yard behind Burris, maybe two yards. So we go up there. The best feeling of the entire day outside of the putt that Ricky hit on 15 was the wedge that Ricky hit on 17. Ricky throws the wedge up to a foot. I know he's going to make it because he did start the putt on the back nine. Ricky shot a 33 net 30 on the back. <laughs> um, that was huge. Uh, I went 36-36. Um, and so not, not a bad day there, but, um, so Ricky hits it to a foot. It felt amazing. Um, and so it freed me up to, to hit really the best shot I could have possibly hit for the entire day. Um, I told my wife on the drive up from the tee box to the approach that I was going to hold out for Eagle to end the match. And I almost did that. I hit it to about three inches. Um, and so we went up there, they kind of knew it was over, tapped it in, took our hats off. Heck of a day, I was exhausted. Um, kept it classy while we were there. Obviously, we would never, you know, over-celebrate. But gosh, when they, we asked them if they wanted to finish, they were both in a hurry. They needed to get back. Appleton had a heck of a drive. Yeah. He's had a sick family. So that was the, the tough part of getting it scheduled. Um, but uh, so we once they left, we we played 18 by ourselves, and then really kind of relished in the moment. I think I called you from there, and uh, Ricky and I were pretty excited from there. But it was just one match. Um, that's it. It was a big match, but it was just one match, and still have a lot of work to do, and some some tough opponents still left to be played. But you got the monkey off your back. You got the win, and uh, yeah, now you will face Joey Nacarado and Marshall Peterson. I know you're talking about trying to get in touch with them. Next round starts on Saturday, so it should be interesting to see all these matches start to, starting to get scheduled. In the Torresauce group, um, Brian Vanderveer and Chris Hawks played their match on Sunday at Henry Horton uh, to round out the group with myself, Stu, um, Patrick, and Paul, who played last week. And it was Chris Hawks and Andrew Key winning two up on 18. So they only got three points, but in that group, you know, we have three points, they have three points. So pretty, pretty dead even, and we play next. I was about to say, so you're in a similar situation yep. that we are. Both kind of the, I don't want to call them front runners, but the, the, t the groups that can control their own destiny are, are facing off in, in both of our groups there. Yep. Um, because here's the way I see it. If you, one of the groups inevitably, both, there are two groups of those four uh, that will walk away being 2-0. Depending on how those matches go and how the points distribute, there's going to have to be a lot to happen for the two and O group to not move on. Um, you know, they would have to get blanked in their match, and there would have to be some other close matches that happen in the meantime. But really, these these two matches are like just for those two groups at least yep. are like some of the biggest matches that will be played. Yeah, if you if you win this match and you go two and zero, you are in the driver's seat heading into the third round of uh, group play, and there's no doubt about it. Um, Andrew 
Chris, John, and I are looking at Old Hickory for our match next week. Wow. Um, so a proper venue for a, a big-time match, and we'll see if we can't get that dialed in. In the wild world of golf group, the Doris brothers, big statement, three-and-a-half points over Eric and Feltz. Um, I think we talked about that last week, just a huge win. Dan Puzo and Alex Munoz with three-and-a-half points over Dean Connolly and James Donnelly. I believe they won that match on 16. Okay. Um, so three and a half there. Yeah, they're playing good golf. And then we have Sam Roten and Jay Roten facing off against Austin Vase and Jacob Beers. Uh, Jay and Sam won that match uh, two up or two and one, I believe. And so they get all three and a half points there. Two up on 18. Two up on 18. Okay, yeah. so only three points there. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'll need to make a correction there. But um, sounds like Beers had a heck of a day and fought as hard as he could against. A couple – I heard, you know, Sam's not been playing the best. Do you have the scores, what you're looking at? I don't have their scores. <laughs> all I have is, uh, you know, a little bit of a loose. Gervais told me that Beers came out and absolutely golfed his ball. I think he had five straight birdies. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. That, that was my thoughts as well. I mean, the thing is, I didn't even react when he said it because I was just like, yeah, it's Beers. Yeah. Like, uh, I've seen it firsthand, <laughs> unfortunately, so – uh, that's uh, he said he he did everything that he could possibly do, um, you know, to win the match. Well, good on him. Uh, I was surprised to see because the Rotans were down in Chattanooga for a golf trip, so they made it all the way back to Nashville to play that round in the afternoon. And congratulations to them on the win. Um, but you know, sh- some sharks might be smelling blood in the water with the Rotans. They, they, I mean, Beers had a heck of a day, but maybe they're feeling a little vulnerable. So who's got them next? Um, I'll pull that up in a second. Last match to be played in the first stage is Peyton Falk and Josh Butterfield and Walt Draper and Curtis Breedle. That match is set to be played, uh, I believe, tomorrow on Wednesday at Country Hills. So, okay. Uh, well, be- Country Hills, that's a interesting match play destination. Yeah, not ideal um, by any means, but it is what it is. Uh, this, is this is Falk and Butterfield. Yep. Okay, yeah, well, uh, I think that's kind of where they prefer to play. Yeah, they're both members there, so obviously where they prefer to play, and it'll be interesting to see if, you know, what happens there. It'll just be very interesting to see, and I doubt that anybody else takes them at Country Hills if they if they pull off the win tomorrow. So you asked about the next stage. Um, we talked about your match. Brian Turley, Tucker Bagnardi will face Josh Appleton and Brandon Burris. Still a big match, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's points to be had. Whoever wins there has a chance heading into the third stage. Yeah. Whoever loses does not have a chance. Yeah. They're pretty much eliminated. Yeah. Um, and then Brian Manvere, Tommy Pelto facing Paul MacArthur and Patrick Patton. Uh, we mentioned my match. Dan Puzo, Alex Munoz versus Eric and Feltz. Um, the Dorises versus Connolly and Donnelly. Gervais and Beers versus Falk and Butterfield. Um, okay. Rotens versus Draper and Breedle. And then that wraps up that second stage. So are the Rotens going to be given a, a lot of strokes in that Draper and Breedle match? So in this match in particular, um, let's see. The Rotens are at um, a one and a five, and Draper and Breedle are both at a six. Okay. So they're only going to be getting one shot off Jay. That's tough. 
that's really tough. Yeah, I got uh, I got Gervais's feedback from his match with Jay, uh, and he said the guy has the softest hands he's ever seen. Um, and mashes the ball too. So it's a dangerous combo. It is. It's it gives me uh, it gives me vassal vibes, uh, or or maybe vassal nightmares. I'm not sure which one yet. Uh, just thinking back to my match with vassal, but um, definitely said he had plenty of shafua. Um, if you're a if you're a strapped or a no laying up fan, you know what, uh, or you should know what shafua hands are, uh, soft hands and forsake you attitudes. So uh, that's a dangerous that's a dangerous golfer. But uh, uh, he said he had soft hands and he he just made it incredibly tough to win a hole against him because of where he was stroking and the combination of playing pretty decently. So yeah. Like we said, heading into the whole classic, the Doris and the Rowan brothers, Cobra brothers, are going to be tough to beat as teams. So, and we may have already hashed this out, but I just want to reiterate or ask it. They have to go through each other in, Correct. The, in the semis, right? Correct. Yep. No problem. Yeah, so one of those teams, uh, theoretically, would be in the championship if they both advance. Word from the great folks, the rudder at Anchor High Marina. The Patton family is always taking care of us with the High Cotton Club, and they can take care of you, your friends, your family, whoever you want to go get some food and drinks with. The rudder at Anchor High Marina on Old Hickory Lake is the great place to do it. Open six days a week, Tuesday through Sunday at 11 a.m., with happy hour Tuesday through Friday, 2 to 6. It's definitely a place that you want to take, like I said, either your friends, your family. You can find them at 126 River Road in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and call them up at 615. 615- Three four eight zero one two nine. Open eleven to eleven Tuesday through Thursday, eleven to midnight Friday through Saturday, and again eleven eleven on Sunday. So check them out. Good food, good drinks, great folks, and tell them the High Cotton Club sent you. All right, moving on to our question and answer segment. Thank you to Stu and Mace for dropping some questions for us. Stu has several questions. We'll get we'll get to Mace real quick. Not a question. He just said that he's pumped for the member member. The gallop at Grassland's <laughs> not a question, just hype. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. We're excited as well. We're here in Gallatin today, just a few minutes from the golf course. And, um, yeah, it's going to be phenomenal and, and a great time had by all. Hey, Mace is golfing moose. Yes. Uh, he just bought my two iron. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Mace. Hopefully you can use it in the member member. That's awesome. <laughs> all right, so uh, Stu asked, did Scotty walk in Cam's line on purpose? Uh, if it was me, I would like me being the walker. No, I'm just oblivious. But um, yeah, Scotty did one thousand percent with it. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that he didn't. Um, I mean, you you gotta love to see uh, a little commotion at the at the professional level. I mean, I hate that it's PGA LIV like back and forth. You know, but um, you know, I I kind of I kind of like a narrative. You know, I like a little bit of. Um, you know, some, I don't want to call it turmoil, but drama, if, if you will, um, going into it. Uh, we haven't really seen uh, any drama since Brooks and um, Brooksy, but, uh, but they're both on the LIV anyway, so it's kind of a moot point at this point. But um, I think he did, absolutely. I haven't really cared about all this stuff. Uh, it's just kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, I just haven't cared. But the last two No Laying Up podcasts that they've done covering it, midweek last week and then the Sunday recap, I'm like over an hour into that. I still have like an hour left. Um, but I thought that those were both really, really good. Some of the best pods I've heard from No Laying Up in a long time. So I've really been enjoying that and getting kind of caught up on the situation and everything that's going on. 
Um, Stu also asks, how many swing thoughts do you have before each swing? Depends on the day. If it was that match of bluegrass, there was one, don't screw up. Um, you know, but usually, seriously, it's just like, I kind of go through a process where um, behind the ball, I want to pick my line, get to the ball, confirm my line, get lined up to it, check my weight, make sure that I'm set up right. And then after that, it's just like swing smooth. Mm. Like if I'm just worried about my rhythm, like then everything else kind of takes care of itself. Mm. There's times where I need to bring in some, some other swing thought, like take it away to the inside or something like that. Or just like, uh, like my swing thought in Knoxville was just get lined up to the target at through the ball. Mm. You know, I feel like a lot of times I can either not commit to making the full swing and I just kind of shut down or I overswing. And now as a lefty, I have my torso and my belt lined up 30 yards right at my target because I tried to overswing through the golf ball and now I pulled it. And so uh, trying to find that balance has really been kind of my struggle lately, I guess. And you can see where my rounds have been playing really well in Knoxville and then 88 at Bluegrass last week. is just like, whatever's going to happen. Yeah, I you know I think for me I think I'm I'm pretty limited on the thoughts. Um, I think a lot of it happens truly pre-shot, maybe even before the club is picked. Um, I think that's a part of my process. Is I've put a lot of work into um, knowing my yardages, knowing what type of shot that I want to hit in which situation, and so. Typically, it just takes me a moment to understand the situation that I'm in, um, kind of get a mini game plan in my mind of what I want to do before I pick the club. But by the time I pick, I physically pick the club that I'm going to hit and take it out of my bag, I rely solely on what I've worked towards. Um, I, I kind of let the shot be. Um, the only time recently I've really put extra thoughts into it is, um, and these are only in practice rounds, I have not executed this in any official competition, whether it's been in the classic, um, the 31E match play that I played out at my club or the club championship. Um, but in practice rounds only, hitting a draw from the fairway, a right to left swing for me, which I do not do. Um, but I've started to do more often and I'm really interested to see if I can start really hitting a draw on command when I need to, what continues to happen with my game. Because it feels good. Yeah, that'd um, be huge. It, it feels really good being able to not only do it, but to execute it. So that's really the only time, because I have to remind myself to, to release. That's, that's the main thing. But outside of that, I really just, I've already picked my line. Um, I, know, I know my swing. I, I feel through my swing, and so I'm going to know afterwards, you know, really where I may have failed myself or, or what I did well. But um, I think in the moment, unless the moment is getting too big for me, um, I really just try to stick to whatever approach I've already chosen, trust the line that I've already given myself, and then I truly try to come to a comatose before I hit the golf ball. That final breath that I take before I take back um, – I want to say my heart rate is I wish I did have a whoop because I'd like to see it because I truly feel like it's got to be down in like the 50s. Um, relax, hit the shot. A couple times the other day, the moment was getting too big for me, specifically on the par threes. Step back, 
regain my focus and then approach the golf ball. Um, but that's really just, I do my breathing beforehand. Um, yeah. The other thing is, this may be um, soft or, or whatever, but it works for me, so I'm cool with it. Um, I just try to remind myself of different positives. Um, whether it's a, a positive, you know, I, I haven't hidden the fact that, you know, I like worship music. So I may be just repeating a worship song, lyrics from a worship song in my head. I do that specifically over putts. Um, or something that's just going to give me a little bit of positive reinforcement prior to hitting the golf ball. Instead of telling myself, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, or reminding myself of maybe what I just did negatively, um, I, I really just try to stick to my plan and trust that I've worked hard enough that I can, I can do it, I can execute it. So uh, it is interesting to hear how different guys go about it. Um, because I think that everybody's different and different things work for different people. Like you were talking about with your breathing, I think that, thinking back on it now, I think more about my breathing than I do anything with the golf swing. I have, and I have for a couple of years, like I get behind the golf ball, I inhale for five through my belly button, I hold it for five as I approach the golf ball and exhale for five as I stand over the golf ball and get set up. And so like, if I don't have my breathing right, that's when people see me back up and like back off the golf ball. Right. Otherwise, you know, it might just be an uncomfortable shot. We all get in sure. those situations. But, um, yeah, as long as I feel like my breathing is comfortable, then everything else should be good. And I think that that's when I've noticed I definitely play my best golf is when I'm in control of my breath. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, like you said, kind of reaching that comatose, zen, flow state mode mm -hmm. that, that we all strive for. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I will say this. When I am a little uncomfortable, I kind of channel my inner Sam Bennett unfortunately, and that's when I know I really got to step off. Because can we talk about that for just like two seconds? How miserable is that to watch? I saw a TC tweet last night. It was like bad. It was so, so, so bad. It was such a good match to watch. So That good. should have ended an hour and a half earlier. I could not stay committed to the golf match because of that. Like, I... Like I get it, it works for him, but I'm like, yo. I feel like I wasted my afternoon. Did you did you bother to count how many on any of them? No, because I saw somebody throw in the Discord that it was eight. It was eight. Like, <laughs> like I, I get it. like it's hard for me to watch Solly in some of his film rooms when he's when he does it too often. Did you right? see the like, uh, the Marshall? You know that they usually hold up the signs that are like "Be quiet." They started doing it halfway through, like after four four regrets, because they got tired of holding the thing up. <laughs> their, arm, their arms were falling asleep. Golly, man! You know, so I tuned in midway through the semi, and he was the that was the first shot I was watching was a drive he was hitting, and I remember just looking at Kalen. We were watching on the couch together, and I was like, "What's this guy's deal? <laughs> like, what on earth?" Um, he's, he's taking the 12th man a little too seriously with the 12 regrips. I mean, my goodness. Heck of a player, though. Yeah. Uh, heck of a win. It was, it was a cool story seeing both of them in the finals together. Somebody um, called him Jimmy from Yellowstone, one of the commentators. Did. Yeah, I didn't. I saw, I heard him say a couple Yellowstone things, and I was like, yeah. I'm not even going to get into that. That's why I have another show. Yeah. If you want to tune in on Spotify. Shout out um, to uh, Ben Carr for making it a match. A yes. couple of uh, from five down. From the fairway. Yes, yeah. that was sick. From the sick. putter and then the chip, that yeah. was back to back. That sick. was awesome. Knew it was in. We got he's got uh, Will Wilcox on the bag, who's known for some clutch moments himself. Um, That's when I just tuned in too. Is when he made that putt and then the chip. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. So good on him. They're both going to get a chance to play in the Masters and some of those majors. So, so Stu also asked if you're the captain for the North, who is the captain for the South? Well, let me clear this up. I am not the captain for the North yet, at least. So how we're picking this is I still need to go through and figure out who is actually going to represent the North and the South after all of our dropouts from the High Cotton Cup. Uh, and for those of you who do, don't know, you qualify through the third edition of the High Cotton Classic. So if, you, if we have some dropouts, i got to go through where they dropped out and fill those spots. Uh, but for the captains, those who did, who did not make the High Cotton Cup that were in the Classic will vote on the captains. Oh, okay. So it's not going to be the teams. It's going to be all those who didn't get to play okay. who are going to vote on the captains. It's just a way to kind of keep them involved. Yeah, even. so I'll have a vote. Yep. Nice. So um, we'll see who gets voted for the North and the South. Uh, honestly, I would not mind not being the captain. That would be sick if I could just run the event. But if I get voted captain, I will take it as a great, great honor and obviously appreciate it and lead the North to victory. Um, got our working on our hats. Tried to order them last week. Should be ordering tomorrow, uh, but they're going to be sick. They're going to be really, really cool. A color that we haven't done yet. Awesome. Um, speaking of hats, real quick, um, I know that we mentioned it in the uh, intro, but the Extinction hats, we had to drop them. The Extinction was getting way too expensive, and Imperial wasn't doing any favors with us on the hats. We were going to do sun hats, and those things are expensive. Mm. Um, so we just dropped that. It's going to be $230 for the Extinction. It's still going to be a great day, heck of an event. Um, like $240 if you went close to the pin or the derby. So nice. you can get more than your money back yep. and uh, based on a full field, obviously. So that should be a great time. Well, and I tell you what, just to put your mind maybe at ease just a little bit, um, I know that you're, it's touch and go with you and, you and Imperial right now, but um, getting some feedback on the hats um, from the showdown from several guys. I saw Ricky and Gervais both wearing them yesterday. I sent a picture of mine. I've worn mine multiple times already. Uh, I sent a picture of mine to Clay Doty as he was trying to determine what he was going to wear to Sweden's. A um, lot of good feedback on the showdown hats so far. But Imperial so, messed them up. That's Imperial, Imperial yeah. got the wrong color brand. Mm. Imperial messed up the classic hat. So what was what was the brand supposed to be? Because I don't mind you know the way that, it like, is, but what was it supposed to be? You know that like, green, blue, and the yeah. gunslinger? It was supposed yeah. to be that color. Oh, they missed it that bad. Yeah. It's black and yellow. Yeah. Wow. Well, the reason that this whole thing took so long is they put them in, they completely color washed the logo and ran them through like that. So they took all the color away from it and they just made it tan and black. And it was awful. I don't even know how that happened. And they said they don't even know how it happened. But like, that's the kind of crap that we're dealing with. And it takes days and weeks to get communication. I went up to Park Mammoth yesterday to deliver the extinction hats from made to them because it's taken so long to get them from Imperial. And they said that they just received hats that they ordered in April. Oh, Park Mammoth did. Wow. So we're not the only... Imperial is struggling. Hmm. Apparently they are now back down to their 20-day timeline. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. We'll see. But... You think they're making favorites? I mean, you think they're getting stuff out to the the bigger companies like the... Like the TGA and uh, and like various companies like that. Like, what do you? Th- I mean, I don't know I, it's hard to speculate. I don't know. Obviously, yeah. It's. Yeah. Um, I've asked. I've asked for a lot of different things to make things better, and they're just they're difficult. So I don't have confidence right now that our float hats will be in for this week. Um, 
but our t-shirts will be so and our bag tags should be so hey sidebar too since i know we're kind of getting to the freer part of the podcast in terms of uh this did you see where buckeye is venturing out on more bag on more tags they're also venturing out on something that they haven't announced yet that we are going to be there first okay quarterly. that's awesome but did you see the new ones that yes. he released yeah those are pretty sick especially the uh, the tie-ons yeah. those are the little it looks like just small pieces of paracord or something like he, that but he sent me those really like sharp. a week or two ago to let me just to let me know and keep me updated and uh, i think that i already have the first event that we're going to do that for nice. um, in my head and yeah like i said the um other thing that he's doing is going to be very very nice cool. that's awesome speaking of vendors and a quick shout out to um no free shout outs obviously but uh thank you jt farrell that did uh from tristar uh stamps that did the ball markers that were from the showdown is that right from the classic from the classic okay the ball markers from the classic um i had him do one for Kalen recently and then my buddy Derek Bennett that I'm trying to hashtag get involved nice um, but they're coming in today just a really great piece to add to the bag a little personable touch and so um, appreciate JT for that and uh, all the guys in the fourth edition of the Icon class will be getting something else from JT Sweet. so continuing to work with him and hope awesome. to I know that he's kind of stepping things up like Buckeye Bag Tags is so hope to do a lot more cool yeah. diverse projects in the future with him and hopefully JT can play soon too he's a pretty good player in his own right as yeah well. absolutely uh, I know he's got a to the crazy busy schedule yeah, with running his, his own business outside of TriStar and then obviously running the family and all that that entails so I totally understand he's got a busy schedule and um, would love to see him get involved soon and I know that he wants to as well so getting into our life advice um, I'll go ahead and start so that you can finish strong um, like you always do I've, I've talked before about Lyme disease and, and how it's affected my life and I don't really know at what length on this podcast I've talked about it but um, when I was at Mississippi State in like 2015, 2016, I got mono and started to lose a bunch of weight. I got sick every single day. Didn't even realize I had mono um, until months later. I just you know kept doing my thing. And I was so sick from the Lyme disease that I didn't realize it was Lyme disease at the time. And I had already left Colorado for shoulder surgery that I just didn't want to leave college. I just wanted to continue and get my degree. And uh, Fast forward to moving to my internship, my mom realized how sick I was. I was throwing up multiple times a day. I went from 195 pounds to about 140 pounds. And um, I just, you know, when I was at state, I couldn't go out and go to enjoy baseball games and play good golf and practice all the time like all the other PGM guys. So it was just tough to, you know, I went from a place where I used to turn in my first draft in like an English class and get 100 to where I couldn't hardly write a sentence. And just trying to put all that together and trying to speak and have a conversation. Um, it took about five, six months after coming back home to get a, a Lyme diagnosis. At that point, I went to different doctors seeking treatment. I had to take classes to regain my ability to talk and, and to be able to put numbers together. Um, for me, it's like, and you know, today I haven't taken my medicine. I forgot my pills. I got a tick bite a couple days ago, so I started fresh antibiotics, and that always messes with my system. It's just, if you don't know, Lyme disease is an autoimmune disease that attacks the weakest parts of your body, and if not addressed, it will attack your entire body and eventually kill you. Mm -hmm. And so, 
going through like I've gone through with the ups and downs and I got better and I moved away and then I got COVID and it brought me back down and ever since then I've been trying to get kind of caught back up into a place where I can just live my life normally and then you get a tick bite and it's my third tick bite this summer the third one with a ring it's the third time I've had to go on antibiotics and it's just like you know so from me from somebody who's gone through all of this stuff who my life has been forever changed and altered. Um, you know, I, I know a ton of people in my family who have Lyme disease now. It's, it's really a, a super prevalent kind of epidemic that is kind of hidden. Wear bug spray. That's <laughs> all you gotta do. Wear, you know, long pants if you're going through tall grass and wear bug spray. It is the least inconvenient thing that you can go through to try to avoid all the crap that I've gone through. So my life advice for this week after all that being said, it's simply to wear bug spray. Mm, that's a good word. And, and just a reminder for all of you trolls out there, uh, we are real people just like you. And we have, everybody has something that they're battling and, and dealing with. Um, and so that's why we've had some of the life advice that we've had in the past. Also, just a quick reminder for other trolls that like to accuse all folks that wear pants on the golf course as tryhards that sometimes, especially when you see Connor wearing pants, it's a proactive measure. I'm terrified. Uh, yeah. Um, I've, I've played a lot of golf with Connor. Um, recently, we haven't gotten to play as much as we probably like to together. Um, but it has been a very long time since I've seen him wear shorts on the golf course. And there's a reason for that. And I, I'd have to assume that it would have to be um, a golf course that you know you won't be having to go through a place like that that's relatively open and not confined by tall grass and things of that nature. Or it's just got to be really, 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 really freaking hot. And even still, I've seen you wear pants. Yep. So, uh, you know, I mean, just, I wear, just a little reminder there, you know, that's why. So. I wear blue jeans and a long sleeve pearl snap almost every day. Like, so wearing golf pants is... Yeah, that breathe. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Trust yeah. me, I'm all right. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for that. So, absolutely. Uh, for me, just giving you guys a couple of uh, action items that you can walk away with today. Mine's going to be simple. Uh, make your bed. Um, I mean, that's just, uh, if you're a person that's struggling, if you're one of those people that just, it seems like you're always just behind, 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 always, you know, never enough time and just running around. Do little things, make your bed. Um, I, tell, I tell my employees every single day, you know, not to get overwhelmed um, when they're facing a daunting day and they've got a lot of tasks for that day. Knock out some of the easy ones that they can do quickly and easily, those tasks, so they can get some momentum going. Um, if you're a person that it seems like you've got a long day in front of you on many days at a time, start the day by making your bed. Uh, if you're able to start the day by making your bed, now you've got some momentum going, um, you're able to check off something productive on your list, you already get a little bit of that productive feel in your system, and you'd be amazed at how that changes your day. Uh, and I'm going to kind of add uh, a part two to my life advice today because this was something that was mentioned to us on Sunday. Um, also, if you're kind of in that place where you're in a rut, whatever, I want to challenge you actually for my life advice this week. Um, for the next seven days, <clears throat> so that's from Tuesday of this week to Tuesday of next week, if, you're, if you feel like you're struggling, if you're stuck in a rut, you're running behind, whatever the case may be, 
Try to start every day before those feet hit the floor by making a list of three items that you're grateful for. Attitude of gratitude, we've talked about that a couple of times before. That's a motto that I try to carry in my life. There's always things that I could probably be more grateful for, and I get humbled by that uh, every single day. But um, if you're in that place, start the next seven days before your feet hit the floor with three items that you're grateful for. It's going to be easy for you on the first day. You're going to be happy that you're alive, that you have a job, that you have this. But then by day three and four, you're really going to have to start digging deep for what you're truly grateful for. But watch how that changes your psyche. Watch how that changes kind of your overall outlook. Um, and so that's just for me today. I'm all positive vibes over here. I mentioned that in my process as well. Uh, and so I guarantee if you just try those two things, watch how that changes. Um, if, it, if it doesn't change anything in your life, I want to hear that feedback. So don't be afraid to at me or to give me a shout out as well and, and, and tell me how that goes for you. Great word as always and a great way to end episode 22 of Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club. Thank you all so much for listening and until next time, we'll keep you dialed.